0: Well, Roth, there we go. Yeah, here we go. Okay, great. I was uh I thought you just tell uh, the listeners where uh where you're calling from and what you're doing uh these days.
1: Sure. So I'm I'm uh, I'm speaking from uh, Costa Rica in the jungle and the rainforest and uh, some really interesting and fun things going on uh, that are inspiring me here. One of which I've uh Basically, after the the film was released, and since been kind of um, promoting that and touring that, I've, I've had a dream for a long time uh, to kind of develop a, a wellness and treatment center, um, kind of a mind body spirit approach to you know, root cause resolution to symptoms, but also just you know coming from a place of wellness, so that you know people can learn how to be proactive uh, about their health, as opposed to you know challenges presenting themselves and then having to kind of you know go in and do so it's it's really a kind of a, a proactive approach to how we can really take our you know look at all aspects of life and and um and and move into a more place of wellness as a and pre- prevention as opposed to uh you know dealing with disease as it, as it can pile down um so that is in the beginning stages of development. Hoping with myself and my partners, I guess in a perfect world, we have got a long way to go. We've got a big plot of land ready to go, but um, you know, hopefully by end of 2017, beginning of 2018, it's it's open for business for people in this country, and we also anticipate um, you know a lot of practitioners, doctors, healers, therapists that will be kind of coming in. Kind of, I, I kind of envision this as kind of a melting pot of where people can. Practitioners and guests and clients can come from all over the world to experience kind of cutting-edge uh, therapies and modalities um, to be able to just you know learn about health and how to how to I guess ultimately end how to be truly empowered um, when it comes to your own health and wellness. Um, Say I, I think part of the challenges today is we're li- we're living in a pretty toxic world. So how can we stay on top of that and you know learn about detoxing and learn about how to naturally and safely release trauma from the body and, um, you know, and all the other things that go along with that so that we can kind of allow our nervous systems to settle and uh, and truly be able to kind of draw in uh, the inspiration of what, you know, all the very unique reasons and purposes that we're all here as individuals. uh, So individually and collectively to do here.
0: (laughs) Ross, well, thanks for sharing that. What, what's the name of the, uh, the center? What's it going to be called? There,
1: there's no name yet. Um, We're, it's just it's like i say right now it's 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 the it's the dream it's the inspiration the land has been uh purchased so that's the beginning of it and we're um like i'm just landing back here now into Costa Rica my other partner is here and our other partner was away too so now that we're just landing back we're actually able to just to meet yesterday and so now we're um it was right before we all left and had to kind of go in different directions uh for this past summer um now the focus was kind of getting back and saying okay now we're ready to kind of dive in so Uh, Name is yet to be determined, um, but uh, definitely keep you posted on that. Okay, great.
0: Um, And I I heard you mention that we are living in a very toxic world, but I think it's also one, one in which I I really have the faith in the power of technology that uh, the information is out there, and and I think there's because of uh, the incredible access to information, and you know, having me being able to connect with you and. Costa Rica, like this, I think there's possibilities that are available that
1: or never have been before. Absolutely, no. I think I think that's the beauty of what we have with the access of technology is that so many people can, you know, get that information out there. Um, you know, it's real I think the challenge that we have with the technology right now is there's, there's there's great information online and there's also there's misinformation and so it's really you know it's kind of like a sorting process you know as far as like what people are need and needing and looking for and what's out there and um you know not not everything online is is really uh pure um but i think it's just it's a case of just you know we have to do our own due diligence and, and i think as as we as you're doing any kind of research when it comes to anything on the internet including our health and things to do with our health um you know i just i mean just myself personally i just always come from a place of like you know, does this resonate or not? And I, and I find more and more as I'm kind of been able to to myself clear out, you know, trauma in the body and, and and even cleanse the body that as I'm been able to do that, that the intuition you know, gets stronger each time and, and as the days go on. And so with that, just there becomes more of a clarity as to what resonates and what doesn't. And that's kind of like, that's our guiding, that's our guidepost as to how we kind of know what, what feels right and what we can kind of dive into and what may not resonate and doesn't work so well. So that's the, it's the beauty and the, and the challenges of the technology, which I think um, we have at our fingertips these days.
0: Right, absolutely. And uh, so could you share a little bit about... Um... Uh, the movie uh, "Bipolarized" and how you came to
1: um, produce that movie. Sure. So I, I was, uh, let's see, I did the film, um, let's see, where do I start here? So back when I was 21 years old, I had a, um, what I kind of more now consider to be like a, a spiritual awakening of sorts that was um, diagnosed, uh, you know, I was in Toronto and in Canada Hello. Therapy. So, the. Only Hello.
0: Yeah. There we go. Just start. Uh, oh sh. We okay? There we go. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. so,
1: yeah. You know, my family really at the time when this was happening for me, really only knew the kind of the Western medical approach to, to dealing with this. So you know, lo and behold, I my family was setting up an intervention at a psych, psychiatry ward and. And I was kind of persuaded very strongly to go into the psych ward. I was, um, I guess, again, in in terms of, you know, what it was presenting would be manic symptoms. Um, So, yeah, I went into the hospital. I had a very um, clear understanding that what was happening in the hospital was not really serving me very well. Just, you know, I was already in kind of a state that was pretty vulnerable. And then to receive this diagnosis of bipolar disorder... Uh, to be told very you know by a doctor in a white coat that I was very entrusted to that you know you have this disease, you have it for life, you will need to take medications for life um, so it was very much it was it was very sure
0: yeah ross could you could you just stop stop there for a second yeah and and that particularly resonated me with me personally when I uh, saw that and because I worked at a psych hospital myself about. Right four years ago as a social worker, and I heard many psychiatrists tell that to people that uh, were deal- going through a lot of uh, hard times, utter similar words and telling them they'll ha- they have a brain disease and they'll never be able to work, and to me, just witnessing that, I, I, I felt the pain of those people, and I, to me, it just infuriated me that that's sort of the standard of care uh, by, by a lot of these people, and whereas you have somebody with a really life-threatening disease like uh, a cancer and often doctors will give them hope so why why with something as like um, mental symptoms of mental distress where so many people recover even without a medical yeah no i it? why I they're so a negative about it.
1: first-hand experience too on the other side of witnessing that and you know and that was so i'm 43 now that was when i was 21 and i i very clearly knew that there was things that were inherently wrong with the system, and so I got to experience that as a 21-year-old. And so I really left that hospital, you know, with this diagnosis, with, uh, you know, a three-month prescription for lithium that I was told was, uh, you know, I needed to check in with my doctor every three to four months for blood work and make sure I get that prescription filled and that this was it. It was lifelong, and, and you know, the, the – and I know you saw this in the film, probably the, the most disheartening thing I heard was just, again, the doctor saying – Kind of, I guess, what you heard as well. Like, you know, you're, you're kind of. I, I really want you to lower your expectations on life. You now have this disease, and and you're really not going to be, um, have the ability to do too much. I think the words were, you know, why don't you think about getting yourself a, a, a simple little sales job, and you know, living a very quiet existence. Which, um, you know, I, I when I think back now and where things are at today, I, I in many ways I thank that psychiatrist because. He lit such a fire inside of me when he said that because I thought I, – at first I thought, how dare he even say something like that? And secondly, you know,
0: I, right. you know, I find
1: myself to be a pretty strong spirit and, and that was my reaction. But I think of all the others that, that get caught up in the system that may not – where that may – that comment may not light a fire. But what it's doing is it's just – it's inflicting more trauma that, you know, when you – you know, and so – um, you know, Absolutely. So God bless him in many ways because it launched me on this journey, this really um, self-reflective journey where I left the hospital and I thought, okay, I don't know um, what's going to happen here, but I know that I need to just start exploring um, all things holistic, all things when it comes to, you know, mind and body and spirit approaches and bringing kind of the, the, the unity of all those things together. I just need to keep searching and keep finding. So it was years and years that I was doing that, um, you know, all the
0: and, and that uh, that exploration started right pretty much. after much. I mean I wouldn't say right after I think right after I kind of I
1: was so you know I mean going from it was a very very extreme state a lot of energy um and then getting put on lithium and and then immediately the side effects of lithium were really extreme for me so to go from such an extreme state and then to go into a very like um almost catatonic state um I was I was pretty much like I, I remember that I came out of the hospital May 2003 or I'm sorry not May 2000 May 1993 and I couldn't move I I sat I sat in a chair in my parents living room for that whole summer um staring at a television set and not even couldn't even tell you what I watched but just really in a really challenged place and and it was really kind of coming out of that as I started to come a little bit out of that I thought okay I I I just I have to start this journey and, it, and so it was just it was starting to meet with like naturopaths and, and, and then healers and energy workers. And it was a lot of different people the the biggest challenge for me though, is that I had such extreme side effects from, from lithium that, you know, I really, it wasn't until I actually was able to detox off of lithium, which was many years later, we're talking like now 18 years later, I'm 38 years old. and And I reached this point where I was just so discouraged. I tried twice, you know, and, and for anyone who's listening here, this is such an important point that I stress over and over again. Um, you know, lithium, any of these psychotropic medications, uh, it's very dangerous to go cold turkey off this stuff. It can be life-threatening um, on so many levels uh, because what happens is, is that if you go cold turkey when you've been on these things for even a short amount of time, but the longer you've been on, and in that case for me it had been 18 years, um, you go what's into called chemical withdrawal. And and many people and even doctors, most doctors won't even um, recognize chemical withdrawal, and so twice I went to go off cold turkey. I experienced the chemical withdrawal, had horrible experiences. Um, the third time, where I finally found a, a clinic in Costa Rica, that was by all means it was not perfect. It is no longer an operation, but it had enough of the things in place, uh, like a good acupuncturist, uh, you know, good biodynamic organic food. Um, you know, lymphatic drainage massage, there was colonics there. There there There's enough things there that I was able to detox off of lithium. I I consider February 6, 2010, probably my most important birthday of my life that I always celebrate. And it was the day I released lithium from my system. And that was really, so now we're talking 18 18 years in since this diagnosis, where I was able to now for the first time feel feel some of my life force coming back. And then as my life force is coming back, then I had the ability to go. Okay, now I need to really address. Okay, what are, what were the real reasons as to why these symptoms came up in the first place? And so that was kind of. And, and you did that. You came to that conclusion. Guidance of others. Own, I think you know, it was yeah, the at time too. It was um, a uh, person who's now a dear friend of mine, um, Gwen Olson, who. Uh, you know, she, she'd been working in the pharmaceutical industry for many years. Um, and again, not against meds as I'm not against meds, but that, you know, there's a short term place for them, but she, she ended up writing a book on uh, her experiences on the inside and, and uh, you know, she was, so she was the one that was really able to kind of instill in me say, Hey, you know what, there's, there's reasons for these symptoms. And, you know, and, and it just takes like kind of going on a real kind of, uh, you know, your own exploration and journey to find that out. And so, you know, she was a big encourager in that process, and and you know, I think probably the biggest change for me, and it, and you know, it's exciting for me now because I get to do, I, I I'm a life coach, and I work out of a, a um, clinic called Helix Healthcare Group in Toronto, and you know, what I what I what I'm talking to patients now that are kind of beginning to go through this journey, and and you know, many I, I I get many clients who are experiencing more side effects from the medications than there are benefits, and so, you know, this is the group of people that I have you know I have a lived experience now to to share with them and coach with them. And I always say to them that, you know, the moment that I started to look at these symptoms as gifts uh, was when everything changed. So I detoxed off of lithium. I started to kind of flip that paradigm out of like being a victim to these circumstances, but more of like, okay, what are these here to teach me? And as soon as I had that um, intention, then all these really amazing people started to come into my life just through literally, I, you know, miraculous ways. And um, so that was how I was able to begin to start to get to the root cause. You know, some of those things that 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 I show in the film that came up for me that were root causes was, number one, I was loaded with heavy metal toxicity. And uh, so I, you know, Dr. John Dempster, naturopath in Toronto, he was a real expert in kind of chelation therapies. Uh, so I started to address just all the metal in my body that, that can affect the central nervous system, that can really wreak havoc on the body. Um, and then another key and really important piece for me was just um, and this this piece started when I started to actually s- start to produce the film, and I was I got really lucky, and I got to work with a um, fantastic uh, you know producer in in Canada, considered one of the top documentary filmmakers. And so I'm co-producing this film with him, where I bring in the story, and he was the one that, as he started asking me lots of questions, he's like, "Wow, there's a real piece here with your father," and um, you know, so we started to really explore that, and then mm. through that exploration. Yeah, yeah, he was. So that, on the that was this, brought was up by the filmmaker. That's interesting. And, and, and he kind of saw this through line in that piece, and so as he started to ask those questions, we were like, "Yeah, you know, this is an important piece." And and I'd done a lot of work with my father while he was in life, and and but it was really after he had passed in 2009, and then the filmmaking process started, kind of end of 2010 into 2011. We started really writing deeply, and then shooting September 2011 started shooting the film. Um, you know, that's when I started to learn about, and then, uh, Dr. Peter Levine's work and somatic experience. And and then I started to, you know, started to really do a lot of research on, on trauma and how trauma affects the body. And and so for me, the, the uncovering of the, the, the traumas that, um, kind of, I, I guess can get passed down from generational, um, things. And in, in my case, and in my father's case, he was this, um, amazing guy, this huge heart, very charismatic, um man but it also came from like such a horrifically dysfunctional family um, and he hadn't really addressed that or done his own work on that so of course you know history is going to repeat itself and so you know me being the prodigal son and the youngest son two older sisters I got to kind of kind of reap some of the the challenges of that un- of his unresolved trauma that just got kind of dealt to me and so looking at that and starting to uncover that through Dr. P. Levine's work I think he's a He's an absolute, he's an incredible pioneer on the planet when it comes to trauma. I know there's other people doing great work with trauma as well. This is a new kind of frontier that I think is is happening on the planet where I think more and more people are discovering. And I, and I know now I can speak from first experience that when you start to release trauma from the body through things like somatic therapies and, and body centered therapies, when you start to locate the trauma in the body and then start to l- allow it to release out of the body, um, it, it's like it's you then learn how to have your nervous system recalibrate itself. Um, when one's walking around with a whole bunch of trauma in their body, it can manifest as pretty much all sorts of symptomology that we now see as the diagnosis in the, the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. You know, it's, did no. you,
0: did you? Have you learned about no, the ACE study? Well, that... Well, that is this uh, large epidemiological study that really shows uh, these massive correlations between uh, uh, what they called adverse childhood experiences, which are experiencing abuse, neglect, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, having domestic violence in your home, stuff like that. And they they basically gave each of these events a score. And the, the greater the number of these events somebody has in their life, the The more likely are they're able to develop into DSM symptoms and also
1: diseases. Yeah, no, I I think I think we're just beginning to scratch the surface on all this stuff. I I think it's exciting because I think where it's going is that um, I would like to think that people are when 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 it's going to become the norm that that people's varying degrees of trauma are addressed as opposed to just labeling people with diseases and symptoms and symptoms for life, which I think is just you know, it's getting to the point where that's just, it's just not making sense anymore. Um, You know, I think we're moving into a place where everyone's going to really be helped. I think, I think everyone's dealing with traumas on some level in some way. You know, it's just, it's just how do how some people are more sensitive than others. Some people are able to handle traumas um, better than others. Some people are just different coping mechanisms. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, Dr. Charles Whitfield, who I interviewed in the film and chatted with him and I you know, he, I remember him saying to me, he's like, you know, I, I've been doing this work for 30 years. And he goes, when I have all the people that come in with all the differing, like, you know, bipolar diagnosis, schizophrenic diagnosis, depression, anxiety, um, ADHD, uh, you name it, like the list goes on of all these different, you know, labels and and uh, symptoms uh, that, you know, when he really boiled it down, he said, you know, the vast majority of his, of his clients, people he's seen it it kind of it would it would tie back into unresolved trauma and so i it's a it, yeah oh. so i just i get yeah um, no, yeah so i true. just i really i feel honored to be just be one person of many in the world right now that are just part of this conversation um bringing awareness to this and i think just the more this becomes um, the new norm in Alcarshal to really be able to look at trauma, to know that there's all these natural ways to release trauma. um, You know, I think humanity is just going to be in a lot better place.
0: Yeah. And the point you bring up about your father, that he had this uh, trauma from uh, an earlier generation and, uh, and I think that's really a key to be people being aware of their own traumas so they don't
1: pass. So yeah, breaks exactly. Cycle you know, and, and just, you know, you know I know my dad in and, and that generation was just like it was kind of like the stiff upper lip generation. You know, you work hard, you put your, you know, you, you bear your nose down, you, you, you know, you do your job, you take care of your family. But there just wasn't the same level of consciousness to, you know, that I feel like, you know, Our other generations that are coming through now are more about, you know, let's, let's look at all this stuff. And it's just, um, so things are changing, which is, which to me is a very positive thing.
0: Um, and in terms of, um. In terms of your work with uh, Whitfield and Peter Levine, what what do you think
1: uh, really helped the most in you uh, getting involved out your I got, uh, to, I first your own got to experience Doctor Peter Levine's work through one of his predecessors, the person he trained uh, out in Southern California. It was before it was right before we started. Uh, her name was Julie Yao. She lives in southern uh, california California. Um, amazing practitioner of his work, and and she just she's she's really exceptional at it because she's also an intuitive. So she's bringing in her own very high intuitive abilities into his somatic work that she's she's learned to do very well and so you know I just give you an example like I one of my first or second pieces of like major work I did with her was um, you know the trauma that happened for me when I was in you know in peak fight or flight and in the hospital like I think my second day in a psych ward um, not feeling very safe and and just having someone who had just been admitted into the hospital who is was, you know, clearly not well, and and you know, ended up having this conversation with this person that really terrified me. It terrified me so much that um, I ended up escaping from the hospital. I just, I just bolted right at the the, the front door of the hospital. And so, if you can imagine, like <laughs> peak fight or flight, I get apprehended by police. I get handcuffed by police. I get beaten up and had my head smashed into the pavement by the cop while I'm handcuffed. Um, and then i and then i'm brought back from that experience and i'm and i'm thrown in in a white or i first put in a straitjacket and i'm pumped full of Heldol, which is still i think considered the most one of the most powerful antipsychotics known to man and it's just it's like a horse tranquilizer it could tranquilize a horse and uh and they pump me full of that and then straitjacket white padded room and i you know i wake up in the straitjacket in the white padded room from that experience so you know this piece of work that i did with this uh practitioner julia the somatic work was really about Locating in the body, which we to do, like locating, like going through that story, then locating the body where it was, actually finding where that very huge piece of trauma was held in the body. And then um, it's just, it's very gentle. It's deep work. It's simple work, but it's profound. And what ended up happening for me in that session was um, I was feeling rushing out of my fingertips and toes for a good half of that hour long session just all this heat that was just flowing out of my body just like it just felt like bolts of heat just like layers and layers of leaving. and on the other side of that experience there's like my my nervous system my body was in a much calmer state um and that it, it blew my mind i thought wow i'm just I, i've been in such a state of discomfort in in my whole body just from all these these traumas and and you know that one which was huge too um then once i started to release that and then i started to look at other traumas just you know things that just you know that were challenges with my my relationship with my father and then just releasing that out of the body all those things that built up i literally went from you know a young adult man who used to almost constantly live in like what's a dissociative state where the littlest tiny trauma or the littlest trigger at any point in the day could send me into feeling like i'm a scared 4-year-old or 5-year-old that couldn't speak You know, and that was happening to me as an adult. And you can imagine it's not a very—it was a pretty rough place to be at when I would get into those states, and I could not even get words out. And so, you know, it's really wild. That doesn't happen to me anymore. It's like I get to experience now on the other side of releasing trauma, what it is to have my my nervous system know how to self-regulate, which it couldn't do before because there was so much trauma inside. And then also too that what gets to kind of come through now is creativity and inspiration because there's it's kind of there's room in the container now for that to drop in whereas before there was just so much discordant energy all this discordant trauma energy that there was no space there was no room there was no place for anything else but just this this person that was this old me that just felt like i was like literally crawling out of my skin you know for the for the you know the first you know many many years of my life so it's it's, so it's a nice It's nice to be on the other side, not to say that all the trauma's is cl- cleared out, but you know there's always more layers. I think it's you know we're always you know I'm always into continuously doing my work, but I've reached a place of like stability now where um you know I no longer get those major triggers, and when they come off i just I know how to to move through them now without it actually causing like a major disruption or you know going into these huge dissociative states that can be so dis-
0: what?
1: What about? Uh, I know you're a yoga teacher
0: and practice yoga. Well, can You talk about uh, how how uh, how you got into that and how that if uh, you if you've, if you've I, I imagine it's I know that's sort of a modality that could be helpful with yeah uh, you know I, I dealing with some it, of the it symptoms just, it of trauma. was part of the journey
1: where I was just I was really curious about it. I think the musician Sting was a big inspiration for me. I thought, gosh, he's got to be doing something right. That guy does a lot of yoga and he just looks better the older he gets. So so that was that was my inspiration on it and and also just hearing lots of positive things of how it can just drop help drop you into your body. It can be a, a moving meditation. So yeah, I started practicing it and then I went and got trained to become a teacher and I and I taught for quite a few years. I don't I don't teach so much anymore, but it was a really I consider it an important part of the journey and I'm always building yoga type practices, you know, into my day and sometimes not getting to do like a full practice but making sure that I'm I'm doing uh, you know, just doing my little bit and it is just a way it's just it's a tool. It's a great tool to you know, keeping yourself in the body, keeping the body limber and also just a way to check in. I think the, the more using yoga as a tool to kind of connect into your body, um, <clears throat> it's just such a great way. to And I've spoken to, had the privilege to speak to someone on a mental wellness summit that um, actually the naturopath in the film, Dr. John Dempster and I, we, we produced that and uh, just interviewing, you know, experts in the mind, body, spirit space, how to address symptoms, how to really move into mental wellness. And this one was a yoga instructor that is now just about to complete her somatic training uh with Peter Levine. And so to me it was really interesting talking to her and just hearing how what I just thought what a great combination that is for her to be, you know, a really outstanding yoga teacher and also to be able to bring these somatic therapies in and to be able to deliver both of those things together because they're so complement complementary to one another. It,
0: What's that person's uh, okay. name? So I her know name another is person that and She
1: Her home base is in Austin, Texas. She has a lot of, okay. a lot of traveling, does a lot of workshops uh, around okay. the most of the world. But um, yeah, it was really, it was just great to talk to her and just to hear her passion too of just how, just how synergistic and complementary yoga and somatic therapies can, can work together.
0: Yeah, there's this other yoga teacher named Hala Corey who's uh she's based in Venice Beach and she also is a yoga teacher That's and fun. has a background in somatic experiencing too. Um just one one, I guess, last uh topic. Uh um, I know it's a uh, big in Costa Rica. What, what do you see regarding the power of uh, plant medicines and ayahuasca and Yes, yeah, that's, that's, and that's a really interesting question. I think it's trauma. a new
1: it's, it's a new frontier and that it's becoming more to light. Now, obviously, these are ancient um, plant medicines that uh, the indigenous and shamans have been using for, you know, thousands of years. Um, I, I, I myself have experienced uh, plant medicine of ayahuasca twice. I've had very positive experiences um, very deep cleansing, very deep spiritual cleansing. Um, you know, doing things like opening up the third eye, I definitely felt my intuitive abilities increased, um, after these ceremonies and experiences. Um, so I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm a, a fan of it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a believer, but I also, I'm, I also say to people that, you know, anyone that's, that's listening or, Whatever just to be you also have to be very cautious too, because I think there's a lot of people it seems like it's the new buzzword too i'm you know I remember I was back in Toronto uh recently for the summer and just seeing all these like little leaflets and pamphlets for you know to try ayahuasca and do this and 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 I think that done in the in the correct circumstances with the right shamans in the right sacred kind of environment with with people that really know what they're doing and have been trained uh well. Um, it can be a very powerful healing experiences. I think I think there's a lot of um, those experiences that are happening today that are done not in that sacred type of setting, um, and they can be dangerous. And it can be very um, it can actually be very rattling to the system um, when there's not when it's not properly guided and there's not the proper support that you know things can come up. Under those ceremonies, you can be releasing trauma. You can be doing those things, and if you don't have the proper people in place and the proper support staff in place, and um, it can it can actually create more issues than actually supporting and helping. So I'm always I always say just you know do your research thoroughly before even considering um, those type of experiences. And I think just you know and again it always comes back to checking and tuning in with your body. And I always say if you're if you're if you're getting good vibes and your body's got um, you know, the inclination that this feels right, then, you know, might be something to explore. But but if there's any kind of red flags that come up, I always say when it comes to those things, just, you know, <laughs> turn the other direction and do not explore because because uh, safety is the most important thing. I have, there's actually... Have you ever heard of the I've one I've um, meet this person. There's a, I believe like seven or eight minutes down the road from where we live here, uh, there is a clinic, an Ibogaine clinic. It's a gentleman here. Who um, gets the Abigain from a pharmacy in Italy? Um, he has you know nurses on staff I hear it 's a very well run clinic and i don 't know a lot about it I, you know it 's funny I was supposed to we were supposed to meet and then he was actually off in miami when uh, when I was trying to reach out to him and, and uh, I'm actually i 'm glad you're bringing this up because i 'm going to make a note right oh, now really? to, to re reach out to him because I just the fact that he 's like <laughs> seventy minutes down the road, um, I want to learn more about it because i 've heard. I've heard it miraculous things happen for people that that where that ends up being kind of a last resort on them trying things when it comes to I've heard, I've heard up against great for addiction I've heard, I, Yeah.
0: Yeah, particularly heroin. Yeah, addiction so, it has um, some, uh, good Yeah, evidence I just for... I want to
1: learn more. I've heard the possibilities that it may be good for pharmaceutical addiction, um but I'm not certain on that and I just I I have a lot of questions. Because um, the brief chat that I had with this gentleman, he said that he does have he's been seeing some good evidence of of that of it being very supportive for that as well. But um, yeah, I would I have many more questions for him before that we even consider, you know, thinking of that as a as a direction to kind of um, put people through. But yeah, specifically what you said with heroin, I've heard, gosh, like really hardcore heroin addicts, they go and they do this, and not only do they not touch heroin again, they don't even have the inclination or the desire again and that to me is a miracle yeah yeah there's one of the experts actually on
0: it i'm going to be uh having lunch with she's uh she's a professor at the university of miami is one of the uh and she's actually ran uh several clinical trials using ibogaine for heroin addicts. but you have to be very i i know it's um Particularly with Ibogaine, you have to be very careful not to, to, yeah. to make sure it's medically uh, supervised and, and it has a lot of has a lot of interactions with other drugs Yeah, that's what I understand too uh, so like taking a, it's the same sort of thing. Time. I
1: think just the making sure you're yeah, it's a really well run clinic, you know, with nursing staff, with, with someone who's, you know, at least the clinic director at the head of it that really really knows what they're doing. Because again, I think there's these mom and pop shop things that are kind of kicking up, you know, doing these things and I think again you very, it can yeah. be a very slippery slope if you're not if you're not with the right people exploring these type of uh, therapies and medicines.
0: And and I guess going back to what you were saying before about the idea about you you're not against drugs and I'm not against them either. What I'm against is uh, is people being misinformed about what the drugs do and or they don't do and they're not you know that they're. Uh, like, you know, they're, they're really for the most part, yeah, they're trying to address no, I'm, symptoms I'm right not there with you. And I think disease.
1: that's just what my, you know, if I think about my mission and, you know, the education company have started with with Dr. Dempster and, and everything moving forward, it's just, it is about just getting the information out so people can make informed decisions. And I think that, you know, that's just what, um, where it needs Absolutely. to go. On. And that's you know, funny, I mean, you were at the screening a few weeks ago in Miami where there was the, the psychiatrist there that. You know, it's, it's interesting. I haven't had a lot of psychiatrists that have come to the screenings where I've where I've done these in different parts of the world, and so it was really exciting to me. And and I was I was happy to see that number one, he was um, he was appreciative of the journey, and that two, I you know, I, when I got to say to him, I said, listen, you know, this is just a we're at a time and a place where we can't be battling with each other anymore. I think you know, if if everyone can come together because we're all in this yeah. together, um, you know, I think we've got you know we're just we're going to make a lot more strides but we can't be it can't be like one camp against the other and you know and to the point of medicines the way i was always right. explained it you know as as i started to kind of, the film started and kind of heavily going into this research is that you know pretty much across the board any most doctors and psychiatrists that i talked to and that i interviewed um the consensus was and i guess the original intention of these medicines was to um have them be very short term solutions to extreme states. And, and that's where I'm, I, and I'm in that camp and I, and I'm in favor of that. It's like, you know, if someone's going to be to harm to themselves or others, you know, a a benzodiazepine for a few days to just bring their, bring them down, um, whatever it is to do that. Great. But, but it's,
0: well I, I imagine you're probably familiar with it. The uh it has one of the best uh success rates for yeah. psychosis. The yeah, open yeah. dialogue and, and, approach and, and yeah, Northern that's Lapland. that's
1: where the open dialogue approach is where when people are in psychotic and extreme states that there's there's a community that gathers and, and there's there's groups to help them if I understand this correctly at open dialogue like helping them move through the extreme state without necessarily going to pills or anything, but just through compassion and through listening and, and support and um I uh, yeah, you know I think that's probably before any of these medicines ever even existed on the planet you know that's probably that's what was happening <laughs> you
0: know Oh oh uh, definitely but but also the uh but their um from the open dialogue approach that the uh the psychiatrists were using the medication right. just to really uh manage the extreme states and help people sleep and and that kind of stuff till they you know, and then um, yeah, that uh, and Whitaker also talks yeah. about it. Sort of that selective use protocol, yeah. rather than this
1: like diabetes yeah. model. No, I think I, I, I really I pray and I hope that that's where we're moving towards. Um, and I, I kind of feel like uh, you know I'm sure you do are speaking the same language. It's kind of it's a necessity. I mean, we just it it has you know it has to go that way because the, the going more in the root of just that. Gosh, everyone's just going to be medicated for everything. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a that's a really scary society <laughs> that I think about if that's if you know if it's just going to continue to accelerate like that. Oh, um, yeah. And with.
0: But going back to what you were saying about the, the psychiatrist being there, one of the things I noticed the, about the way he sort of responded to you, and to me, this is. Um, I think some of it would be uh consistent with how a lot of psychiatrists would see see your case, that they would see that oh that you're that he sort of viewed you as like, oh, you were very special that you were able to do this. Not everybody could do this, which which is true. You are you know, you are unique, but I think uh most people have the capacity to heal if they were given the tools and um like the, the the human body is and spirit is designed. Uh, yeah, to, I, I uh, fully to believe that. that I think I theory. think
1: probably what's yeah you know I think I think it's pretty accurate <laughs> the way you saw that. And I think what's I think what's to be pretty really challenging for the, the profession of psychiatry right now is that you know everything is everything is just kind of coming to light right now. Like just we, we're knowing now that these medications long term do not have good outcomes. I mean, I think yeah, Bob Whitaker's research is just so spot on. Um, connecting all those dots, and so because we know that now i mean gosh i think about I think about how scary it would actually be to be a practicing psychiatrist in the traditional system right now um because i mean if you 're not all these things are coming to light it 's everywhere it 's in the news and and uh, you know you would have to start looking at this going gosh am i actually am I truly helping people or am I harming people now and and uh, that would be a really I I that's the part where right. I have compassion for the group because I think gosh that'd be a really difficult thing to be looking at your whole life you're handing these pills out and you're like oh my god what are the what are we doing now that's not an not an easy position to be in but I also think yeah. that it's uh yeah it's time for things to wake up and go okay because we know now things aren't necessarily working that way like let's uh let's see how quickly we can actually flip this and turn it around and 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 create systems because I believe you too it's like I think anyone who has the desire, the desire that I had to get well, as long as you have the desire, everyone should have access to these tools and and I was I was in a fortunate position that I came from right. a family of means, and all of what I was received went into that research, and you know not everyone has that um, that luxury or that ability, and you know and I would like to see I just think everyone should have that it should have that ability. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't yeah, exactly. be based on exactly. their Exactly, uh, it shouldn't be just means. based on your it, socioeconomic it status. All. That you know, if you, you know, if, yeah, if you come from more means, that you can afford these things. Because you know, the reality was this: this journey was not an expensive journey, and there was a lot of trial and error. And and you know, I would say there was fewer things that I found that were really beneficial than all the things that I did that weren't so beneficial. And it was all of benefit because I think I the whole thing was a learning process. Because um, I really, for myself, I got to fine tune what I found really beneficial that I get to pass on now to clients and people that I coach and work with. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's what I think, when I think back to the, the, the out of pocket cost, it's just like, wow, it's really, it's enormous because there's, there's no insurance companies that are, that I know of that are covering most of, a lot of the things, most of the things that I actually went and did that were effective.
0: Right, and, and and I think the way to change that is uh, the public needs to be better informed yep.
1: about these things, and if the public demands it, then the industry is going to have Yeah, And you know, one thing I'd add to, to Jeffrey that I think, and this comes up a lot when I do screenings, when when this very point comes up, they're like, "Well, it obviously, looks like you'd afford that, and I can't afford that. What about all the others that can't?" And you know, one of the people that I interviewed on the the summit that we did was Dr. Kelly Brogan, who's a real powerhouse of a woman and a renegade. Exactly. Yeah, and she writes on exactly. "Madam you know, in America" a lot. She I, speaks I to it. something that I feel very strongly about too. When I'm working with clients now, and and you know, she says it's um, it's an amazing for her to witness. She says, you know, when it comes down to the the basic things in life that um, you know, good nutrition, um, some form of nature connection, some consistent form of exercise that you'd like to do. Um, and you know, and, and some form of meditation, and meditation could be part of your nature connection or whatever, but, but having those foundational pieces in place, like, so she'll have clients come to her. Um, and when she gets them, they say, listen, she's listen, I'm not going to continue working with you unless you commit to the next 30 days that you're going to establish these things and, um, these very foundational pieces and put them in place. And she says, you know, Ross, you know, the vast majority of the time, Thirty days later, when they just do these simple things and get good rest and get good nutrition and get their consistent exercise going, most everything is like taken care of with that. You know, after that, if there's anything else to do, it's just kind of fine-tweaking and, and doing things there. But um, you know, it really goes to show. And hearing from you know an amazing doctor who who she is, just hearing that from someone who sees clients like that all the time, that yeah, if you really have the commitment to implement those basics, um, a lot of changes can happen right there. She's based out of New York. Where City. does she practice? Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah, and she in her she works. Hey, yeah, she, that's. She I, focuses, yeah, focuses on women, so her clientele is all all women. Um, and she just yeah, she's she's amazing, doing incredible work.
0: And that's one of the things I've thought that you you mentioned too about the uh, the importance of exercise and stuff because I've worked with a lot of people on. Heavy duty medication on disability, and you, and you see all of them. Uh, often, it's a combination of things that they're not getting any exercise, and being on the meds, uh you know, makes them gain weight, yeah. and they're just their movement. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very slippery slope, slope
1: once that. once the kind of the the med cocktail starts, and yeah. and yeah, and and so yeah it's, yeah, it's it's a really tough one, and I but I also you know I definitely give people hope. I, I you know I have a, I have all these colleagues, and you know I'm I'm not an expert in that, so. I'm, I never do I work to kind of detox people off of, of meds if that's their choice. Um, but I do have great people that I refer people to like, like Dr. Kelly Brogan and um, this other woman, Alessandra rain. Uh, she's an incredible story where she, she's she now has a non-for-profit organization called point of return. Um, and the, the sole focus and mission of point of return is to help people safely detox off of meds when, you know, when they're just experiencing more side effects than benefits and, Um, She's got doctors now in 70, I think it's about 75 countries now around the world and growing where she's developed these affiliations and can get people so that people can, um, you know, people that want this kind of service can work with doctors that really know what they're doing, that really have the compassion. Um, You know, she doesn't have doctors um, on her advisory board that have actually been hooked on benzodiazepines that got off. So, you know, they, they also have firsthand experience of it. And now they're experts at helping people detox off it. So it's really – you know, she's an amazing woman and, and, and built and developed this organization that I think is such an awesome resource for people um, to just did – you,
0: Did you ever connect with I've the, t- uh, the t- Echoriff project? I have. I've, I've
1: talked to – I've connected Echorith. like through this last couple of years. It's been a couple of occasions in film festivals and stuff where I've actually uh, connected with those guys. Yeah, and that's really interesting stuff that they're doing too, raising awareness.
0: Uh, and um also I remember you mentioned any uh at the film screening that you were in touch with some other psychiatrists any other ones uh that
1: you're uh, you, know, I you tried in touch with the guy the David Healy process to to reach out to him I wanted to interview him and and um it was just one of those things where it just I don't know it just it we just didn't make the connection um I think I think he's also doing uh very right. powerful work uh, much needed work uh along with you know all the others and Whitakers of the world that are just saying, "Hey, you know what and you know, and also the fact that he's also i think it's also a very strong statement when when people like Healy and Dr. Kelly brogan and uh, you know they're psych- they're psychiatrists <laughs> and they're they're saying this I think that just it, it adds a lot of weight yeah. to to what they're saying
0: well the, the unfortunate thing is they're uh, although they are uh, definitely have great credentials or smart people but they're they're not the uh, they're still the mainstream psychiatrists are not really yeah no I think these, it's just uh, it's a lack of awareness enough.
1: um on their part and uh yeah like I just I keep having the stream that's why the screening in Miami was great it's like, like wow I think it was the first I think it was actually the first psychiatrist I've ever actually had in the room of all these screenings and I just keep welcoming I I have this dream right. one day where I'm actually get to do this whether it's through showing the film or you know or, or lecturing? Yeah. Or I, I the think.
0: APA. <laughs>